0: Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio podcast. This is your co-host Jay Truma with the Pride and Joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Jakuba and the senior contributor Eric Burgess, aka Burgess. Fellas, welcome in, Podcast Ninety. How are you?
1: What is up, yo? We survived. We made it to Week One. It was it was a great slate. It was it was incredible football. A, a lot of teams that you thought would a roll didn't roll and a lot of teams that you thought were just going to get blown out didn't and what if i told you last week that the raiders you know ravens game was going to be the game of the week would anybody fucking believe me
2: no dude i you know what it's so great that we have football back here and so many storylines to get into with this week and you know that that great ending to the week last week i you know uh last night i'm sorry and i will i stayed up to watch this game i wasn't planning on it and uh, i wasn't disappointed with the way that game ended
0: oh. yeah, man. listen I, I am so excited we had fans back in the stands you know it felt like a little bit of normal man um, you know not to sound cliche but god bless the nfl and god bless the fans man no shit
1: man <laughs> roger, goodell, so awesome to watch. roger goodell roger goodell Take it. Take a bow, you mm-hmm. son of a bitch! Mm-hmm. You take That's a goddamn up. bow. I'm standing up. I'm saluting you, sir. Nobody could fucking stand you until COVID. Well, then you had to draft. You looked like you wanted a scotch in your in your couch. Now you get the fans back. Put that guy. Put nominate that dude for sainthood.
0: Well, do you remember know when COVID happened? Jesus. COVID happened like late March of last year. Puma, you sent out a tweet April first, and I screenshot it because I was like, this is. One of the dumbest tweets I've ever seen. And it was something along the lines of, there is no way in hell the NFL is going to be able to kick off like week one in September. Yep. And I yep. was like, how can this dude say this this far out? And I never give you shit about it, but listen, the NFL, they like making money, bro. All right? I mean, they're, they're all about that money. So uh, we're, we're happy that they're, they're that greedy because it benefits us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, speaking of that Raiders game, That's going to be the first topic we're going to discuss today. We're going to break down the Las Vegas Raiders beating the Baltimore Ravens. 33-27, an absolute thriller. Uh, We'll start talking about how Burge has some delusional thoughts on the Finns beating the Patriots (laughs) (laughs) 17-16. Here yeah, we go. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll preview Strapping the two the pie. Here we we'll, go. We'll preview the Patriots and Jets match, and then we'll look forward to week two and some of the the big marquee games, which include the New York Giants versus the Washington Football Team on Thursday Night Football, Buffalo Bills versus Miami, and who wins the Puma Bowl. Uh, that's what I've dubbed it. <laughs> <we go>. <laughs> the Dallas go. Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City uh, versus the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football, and then we've got a new segment: the best bets with Puma. Where he will try to help you guys win some money, and then finally we're gonna put this all and wrap it up in the uh, fantasy Bulls for Bird section. So we got a lot to cover, fellas. You guys want to jump right into the Raiders game last night? Cause that was an absolute thrill, man. Like we were, we were all watching, all tweeting about it, all you know, texting back and forth. And that game had so many emotions, so many swings. At one, like as John Gruden said last night, he died, came back to life, died again. I mean, that's basically how we all felt as well. So i'll turn the floor over to you guys what was your breakdown of that game
1: yeah i mean john gruden ain't wrong it was live die repeat i mean now i'm i'm talking as the guy that had the raiders plus four and then the over in the game and you know the game starts out it's full house You got mm-hmm. al davis's torch <laughs> jay your sister's texting me being like right. i got my darren waller jersey we're gonna fucking <laughs> win this game you got Steve Aoki on the turntables. You got Bruce Buffer yelling, It's <laughs> time! And it, I mean, all that, and let's be honest, all the way up to halftime, that game was flat, man. Like, it was, was kind of sloppy. Mm-hmm. There was bad play calling on, mostly on the Raiders' side. There were there were head-scratching moments from John Gruden. There were head-scratching moments from Derek Carr. I'll say this much, though. That defense balled out for the Raiders like they you know Derek Carr was right like they were buried I, I kind of buried them last week on the pod when I was talking about them as a best bet but I mean Max Crosby is going to be a problem and mm-hmm. like the, the kid the kid looked good out of Michigan I think he was out of Michigan State um he was picked in the the same draft class as uh, Cleveland Farrell who was a uh, healthy scratch he was inactive uh you know Cleveland Farrell was the uh first uh first round pick Max Crosby is uh, taken in the fourth round. But him and Carl Nassib, like, they kept that team into it. And, you know, say what you want about Derek Carr, like, all the way up to, like, that last final drive. Like, I mean, that final drive he was masterful. He was on point. Darren Waller was all over the place. Granted, he only had eyes for Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. But they were able to pull off the win. But then, like, you look at the Baltimore side of the football, and it's just like the – the run was working at times, and then they started trying to get cute. They tried to make Lamar into, like, a passer and not just, like, taking what the defense was giving him. Lamar was careless with the football, putting it on the ground twice. One one time cost him dearly and ended in, you know, the, uh, the the loss of the game, essentially. But, I mean, there were times where, like, the, the Ravens just looked exhausted. Lamar looked gassed at times. And, uh, you know, going into this Chiefs game that we're going to talk about, there's a lot of questions. Like Lamar couldn't get it done through the air against the 28th overall defense last mm-hmm. year. You think you're going to go on an arrowhead and take care of business uh-huh. this week? Uh I don't think so, man. So there's well, a lot, there's there's a lot more questions on the Baltimore side than on the on the Raiders side, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs travel to Baltimore to play them oh, my bad. football, yeah. But regardless, it doesn't change. I mean, it could be on, you know, it could be in Kansas City, it could be in Baltimore, it could be on Mars. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs are gonna absolutely annihilate Um, The Baltimore Ravens, because let's be real 100% Lamar Jackson still has not improved as a passer I'm watching him last night and the amount of like runs he's doing and like he's just basically Throwing himself into like four defensive linemen without any care for his body I'm thinking how can he possibly keep that up? Um, And I wish we would have seen that next progression that we were waiting for last year from Lamar Jackson In regards to his uh, passing ability now the other end of the thing man like the Raiders like John Gruden like Towards the end, I, I don't know what the hell he was doing there. He was trying to get his kicker out there. They couldn't find the kicker, so they had to like call timeout. And they went for it. And when they went for it, they threw that massive like bomb in that uh, in that engage it to win the game. It was it was absolutely insane. But I I think Derek Carr is is a good quarterback, man. But like I don't understand why he like locked eyes on Waller all night. There was like 19 targets for Waller. Ten were caught for 100 plus yards and a touchdown. But that's that's not gonna get it done if you just constantly keep your eyes locked on Waller and don't you know look at the rest of the field. So we'll see how that progresses. But overall, man, entertaining game. Way to get great way to kick off Monday Night Football, and it was absolutely great watching it with my sister and my brother, who were also going nuts, and I was giving her mad shit about it. But it, it was a fun <laughs> time, man. It was a really fun time.
2: Yeah, like for me, like it just seemed like at the end of that game that both these teams were like playing to like lose. I I I my conclusion at the end of this was that. Both these teams deserve to lose the game. Like, you're in overtime, you know, look at the what the um, the Raiders did that first drive. You know, they drive all the way down. Basically, we thought the game was over with Brian Edwards catching a touchdown there at the end. They take a penalty and then a bad interception. And then right out, right on cue, Lamar Jackson comes in and gives the game away, uh, you know, with that fumble. That was a brutal fumble, and obviously you knew the game was over at that point with with um, Las Vegas in field goal range. Um to your point about Derek Carr locking eyes on Darren Waller, I think Bryant Edwards, he was, uh, you know, he's their number two receiver there. I don't think he had a reception until like late in the fourth quarter, and he ended up yeah. finishing with like four, four receptions for 81 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you have to spread the ball around, and you know, eventually, and Darren Waller's a freak. He's, in my opinion, he's the second best tight end in the in the game right now behind Kelsey very very an argument can be made that he's the best and you know i don't count kittle in there because of his durability concerns but you know if i'm picking a team it's it for me it's darren waller um you, you have to spread the ball around i mean the raiders running game in this game was abysmal um you know josh jacobs did have two touchdowns but you know 10 carries for 34 yards out of him and then you know Kenyon drake or did was, he
1: have ter- did was, he have turf toe was it was, was this toe issue yeah. he was questionable with illness
2: but they kept, like, yeah. looking at his shoes. That I'm not sure about. I hadn't seen anything about that. But, like, it, regardless of that, the, the the running game, I mean, the second leading rusher on the team for the, for the Raiders was Marcus Mariota came in and had one rush for 31 yards. I mean, yep. that's a big concern, you know, if you're a Raider fan um, going forward. But my biggest takeaway out of this is I think Lamar – and I'm sure you guys agree with this, Lamar Jackson's playing for his job and his next contract right now, and if I'm the Ravens, do, do I want to commit big money to, to Lamar Jackson? I mean, he hasn't shown he can effectively throw the ball. Yes, he's a freak athlete, but he seems in these big moments to just crap his pants. He did it last year in the playoffs, you know, up in Buffalo, to my dismay, and he throws that interception in the end zone, and, you know, game's over at that point. What do you guys think about Lamar Jackson's uh, future going forward here with Baltimore? Jay, you go first.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you make a good point, man, because, like, you do have to make a decision at the end of the year, right, on how, what you're going to do with Lamar Jackson going forward. Now, if he's not showing you that he can actually make those big key throws in those pressure pack situations, then why do you have him? Like, I, at the end of the day, I know it's super hard to find a quarterback, but this is what, year four going in? Like, at this mm-hmm. point, you should start to develop into a better passer. Like, like the, the that process that you know, give him more time, and maybe he'll come around. No, absolutely not. I mean, if he's not if he's not going to do it now, then he's not going to do it the next year as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see him very much end up like like Cam Newton, you know, thirty years old out of the league. You know, you know, he, he's focusing so much on his running, and he's not focusing enough on his passing. I know we hit the we hit that over you know with a dead horse mm-hmm. uh, on Cam Newton going into this, and you know you kind of see a similar trajectory with him with with, mm-hmm. with Lamar.
1: Yeah, no, and I was just gonna make that comparison to birds. Like, I'm with you. Like, it's it's a good argument. It's it's logical, especially because you know, despite what Lamar thinks, like people are going to figure you out. Like, you're mm-hmm. not. You can't just backyard football uh, mm-hmm. the position for for your entire career. You are going to have to develop as a passer and. If that, you know, throwing the football and it being a little wobbly once you throw more than 10 yards down the field, that's going to be a problem. And you can't just keep throwing it to Mark Andrews. Granted, he did have a bit of a connection with – with uh, Sammy Watkins at times and Hollywood Brown had a had a really good like ten yard touchdown that that catch and that throw was incredible in itself. But like in totality, when you looked over the last four years, like you said, Burge, that backbreaking interception in the end zone. Uh, there were times when they would go up to Kansas City and they had the Chiefs on the ropes, but you you couldn't get the job done through the air. I mean, I logically, I would say he's playing for his job. I wouldn't want to tie that much money into a quarterback that hasn't really proven that he can throw the football. But at the end of the day, we all know that if Steve Biscotti does not back the Brinks truck up to Lamar Jackson, you're going to have a riot at the M&T Bank Stadium. I mean, we all know, like, Trace McSorley looked good uh, last year when he came in relief before he blew his knee out in the Cleveland Browns game or the poop bowl, depending on what you look at when uh, Lamar had the cramps. But I mean, There really isn't anyone else out there that's going to be, like, that dynamic playmaker. You just hope that somebody is able to develop him into a passer, and that's nothing against Greg Roman. He's a great offensive coordinator, but, like, we saw the same thing with Cap when he was the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick. Like, he didn't have the greatest arm. He had a good enough arm. He was able to get it down the field better than Lamar, but, like, Mm -hmm. he didn't really take a big step forward. Lamar has yet to take that big step forward. I don't know, man. I'm not saying like maybe Greg Roman should be out, but like, call it, call it bias, call it whatever. But like, if Jordan Palmer or someone else is able to like be that quarterback coach, and we can all laugh, but like the stats, par- the stats parse out. Like, if somebody like a Jordan Palmer is able to like adapt some of the throwing uh, exercises and throwing motions to fit this kid's game, then you're gonna be looking at a total quarterback moving forward in the era where you had you know you can run and gun you can make throws off script and you can throw darts and lasers
0: yeah well we all essentially were talking about how the ravens did such a great job of tailoring the offense to lamar jackson which is fine and great but when you want to move off of him how much harder does that make to essentially revert all of that right the people that mm-hmm. you have on on the offensive line and the tight ends all are geared towards making lamar jackson successful let's hear a drop back quarterback will be able to succeed in that system, right? The one stat that really kind of, you know, freaks me out is, you know, postseason and regular season included, Lamar Jackson has about 520 carries. The next closest quarterback is Josh Allen with 308. 212 more carries like that, that is absolutely insane in such a short amount of time which is what four years in the league and if he keeps getting those hits man especially the one hit he took last night where mm-hmm. he found the ball and then his head went right into he the turf, I'm like up. he's got to be concussed at that point right so if you keep subjecting your quarterback with that kind of punishment eventually he will break down right um, you know, we are watching the the Patriots-Miami game, uh, the Patriots and the Dolphins game, and Tua took, like, one weird, like, slide. Did you guys see that? Where mm-hmm. he couldn't get down properly. Mm-hmm. And, like, just that one, like, slide in itself was, like, way too weird. But Lamar's, like, out there, like, just getting, like, a battering ram almost. And he's not even that big of a dude. So I, I would be really concerned with what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah, I think, I think you know, anytime your quarterback takes a hit, you, you're going to cringe. I mean, you're looking at... You know what happened with rg3 you're you're looking this kind of the same thing and you want to you want to avoid that and the way to avoid that is to develop the passing game and to be able to throw the ball not rely on carrying the ball so many times i mean there's a reason the running backs you know fizzle out at you know at such an early age in the nfl it's because they take such a beating you know they carry the ball so many times a game and they take those hits eventually that's going to catch up to to a quarterback i mean it may take longer i mean Cam Newton's 32. It took that long to catch up to him. So, you know, it may take longer, but at the end of the day, it's going to catch up to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's not even that, too. Like, if you just look at, like, the basic X's and O's, like, the reason why this team was so dominant in 2019 was they would get a lead and they would just grind the clock out by running all the time. But when they were down, this was not a team that's built to throw themselves back into a game. Like, you're not going to see, like, a Kellen Moore offensive coordinator tell Lamar to drop back or throw 53 times a game. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, that is not going to happen here and you know we've seen it last year like if they're if they fall behind like your chances of winning if you're the opposing team i guess the baltimore ravens are pretty good if lamar jackson has to throw himself back into a game mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah and you know like like we all said on the top of the show we're, we're gonna break it down uh as we get into like week two previews you know the chiefs are coming into town and they're gonna force you to throw the ball 40 45 times because you're not going to be able to run the ball. You know, we, we all think that the best way to beat the Chiefs is to run the ball, time possession, all that. That's not really true with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the time position doesn't matter to those guys. They could be down by 10 points in the fourth quarter, and there's like two big plays in the back of the game. So you're going to have to outscore them. And to ask Lamar Jackson to throw the ball efficiently to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, it's an absolutely tall task. Now, on the other end, looks like the Raiders are going to go travel and play the, uh, the Steelers. And I think that's going to be a fun game, right? Because, you know, week mm-hmm. one, you kind of get a sense of what a team is, but maybe it might be a week one fluke. We don't really know who they are. So we're going to start getting get a better picture of who the Raiders are and who the Steelers are with that week two, week two matchup.
1: Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. The Raiders always play the Steelers hard, regardless of whether or not they're in Oakland or they're going over to Pittsburgh. So it should be fun. It's going to be interesting, especially because the, the Raiders, the, they won last night, but it's kind of a pirate victory because Yannick Ngakwe might be out for a long time, uh, an offensive lineman, torn ACL. It, Marcus Mariota got dinged up. That's why we only saw him once. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But yeah. I love, I like Oakland's chances. Or well, Vegas. Or Vegas. The, yeah, the funny thing They're Oakland and me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the funny thing today is this morning, uh, I was out and about, and I saw a Jim Plunkett jersey. And then oh the noon I was over at Target, <clears throat> and I saw somebody wearing a Derek Hart jersey. So, you know, one big game out of Monday Night Football, and all of a sudden, all, jer- all the jerseys come out, you know?
1: <laughs> so, Jay, I got to ask. Did your sister, like, put on, like, the face paint? Like, the no. like, silver black <laughs> or eye black with the Waller jersey and, like... You know, blasting some Ice Cube. Like, what are we? What are we working with today? What, what did your sister do?
0: No, nah, she was like barely, just kind of getting into it. You know, this is like her first like sit down and watch this game for my entertainment kind of thing. Like, she right. she she watched games in the past with me and my brother, but it was not like her thing, right? So last night she actually put the jersey on and. She was so complimentary of you and the fact that you got it for her, so thank you for that, brother man. But
1: uh, you know, hey, I'm a man of my word. Hey, welcome, <laughs> you know? welcome to the family, sis. Welcome to the
0: family. So we're just sitting now, watching the game. I was, uh, I was playing the roof of the Ravens just to kind of really piss her off, and it's funny. I <laughs> kind of like pushing guns a little bit. I, you know, I was, I was saying some reckless shit, you know. So it was, it was pretty funny. Jay,
1: but... reckless? <laughs> no. Suckley <laughs> Blue.
2: <blah! laughs> well, hey, if they're in playoff contention. By the end of the year, she better put the face paint on. Let's see it. She better put the face paint on. <laughs> Jake,
1: if they're in playoff contention, I'm fucking flying out there. I'm watching the game with y'all. Let's go. Come on through.
2: Come on through. Yep. Brother,
0: man. Let's, let's go. On. We'll recreate the black hole in uh, Columbus, Ohio, you know? Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man.
0: Uh, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins traveling over to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. Uh, the Dolphins ended up winning 17-16, and quite a bit happened towards the end of the game that we'll discuss. But, you know, before me and Burge get into uh, the Patriots side of things, I want to turn the floor over to Puma and get his initial thoughts on Miami Dolphins, what he liked, how, what he thought about Tua's performance. You know, it's, uh, it's quite something to go into New England and win a game against the Patriots. So, congrats, Puma, you know. Um, so, what was your thoughts on, on what you saw out of the Dolphins on, on Sunday?
1: I mean, my thoughts on the Dolphins' uh, defense—hard uh, hitting. I don't know if what if uh, if Flo like made it a point to be like, "Yo, I, I want you to rattle the kid's cage." Because I mean, to Mac Jones's credit, like that kid was taking shots. Like that kid was taking shots in the pocket. He was taking shots after the throw. Like you could make a, a logical argument. Like some of those could have been, you know, roughing the passer flags. I think one of them was. Um, But, I mean, the defense was good. But, you know, Xavier Howard, as advertised, you know, the best corner in in football, in my opinion, forcing that fumble late in the game. Uh, But, like, Chua, eh, I mean, it still was, you know, yeah. kind of dinking and dunking. Like, there, there were times where he did have, like, you know, 30-plus yard plays with Devontae Parker, Uncle Devontae, and then Jalen Waddle, who I think is going to be a stud. Uh, I mean, th- that kid's got the goods, like you said, Jake, coming out of Alabama. But, like, everything else is eh. Like, the offensive line wasn't that great. The running game was okay. Like, Miles Gaskin was all right, like, for what the offensive line was able to open up against this defense. Um, it was – It was eh. Like, I'm not, like, super ecstatic going into a home game against the Buffalo Bills, which we're going to break down in a little bit. But, like, enough to, like, build upon. Like, if we can squeak out an upset against the Buffalo Bills, like, then, you know, okay. Like, the team's starting to come around. I still want to see Tua push the ball down the field. The couple of times that he did, like, it ended in an interception, bouncing off of uh, Mike Gusecki's hands at one point. So, you know, it's it's still. I just I want to see the deep shot. I can live. Mm-hmm. I'll say it till the day I fucking die. I would. I can live with Tua throwing an interception, trying to push the ball downfield, than trying to do death by a thousand razor blades. I, that's 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 it. I, I can live with the picks. I don't I don't care. Be be the next thirty for thirty for all I care. Like yeah. just just push the ball down the field.
0: Pooh, What do you think is the ceiling for Tua? Like, are we talking top five, top ten? Because like I'm watching this game on Sunday. And I'm expecting more out of Tua, right? Honestly,
1: right now, from what we've seen last year and now, Alex Smith. Mm. Like, that's it. Like, you know, he's not taking... Like, I haven't seen Tua take a game over yet. I haven't seen Tua get into a huddle and say, listen, motherfuckers, I'm putting you on my back. Ma, I'm sorry, I'm dropping MFers here. But in reality... Like I have not seen him go into a huddle and drop an MF or like I'm putting this team on my back. Let's go. We're gonna march down the field. We're gonna we're gonna like keep our foot on this team's throat. Like let's go. It's it's just been dinking and dunking like death by a thousand razor blades. Break glass and have Fitzpatrick come in and be the killer. Or hey like two is not big enough. We have to have Jacoby Brissett come in and like run for two yards or try to get a team to go offsides. Yeah. Like that is what I'm working with right now which is yeah. not what I was sold when he was coming out of Alabama.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I think you're spot on, man. Like, I think I'm finally starting to see the fact that Tua might not be it, man. Like, I, I was holding out hope because of what I saw on the college level. You know, with with Matt Jones, he he got the team from week one in Alabama, and he essentially took them through a build-up process and went through the, the cupcakes first and then SEC play. So he had quite a bit of footing when he got to the playoffs. Tua was thrown into the fire in the half of a national championship game when Jalen hurts got benched and when i saw out of him that night i'll never forget because the moxie you have the, the, the confidence you got to have to come into a national championship game and throw darts down the field is something i'll never forget so i thought that would translate over to the nfl but so far i am massively disappointed so much so that i thought Mac jones a rookie that's been in the nfl for four months way outplayed him. Like, I thought Mac Jones looked head and shoulders better than, than Tua, right? And that's where I'm going to start the, the Patriots analysis on this side of things where, you know, for the most part, I like what I saw out of Mac Jones on, on Sunday, right? He looked poised. He got the ball out quickly, you know. Obviously, the Pats were trying to give him a like easy read and try to have him go through his progression as soon as possible. But he seemed like he can he can belong in the NFL, and he absolutely outplayed Tua, And I think it's very encouraging, right? I have nothing negative to say of Mac Jones' performance. I mean, if I'm nitpicking, I'd say that there's a little way too many little bit check downs, right? I wish there was some more looking down the field kind of thing. You know, 31 out of the 39 pass attempts or within 10 yards. But listen, that's something you know you can't even bring up because the kids first start. I was absolutely happy with what I saw out of, out of Mac Jones.
1: Then the offensive lineman, um, that I, I'm going to say this, Burge, and the re- the floor is yours. I was listening to the the tr- on the the way home from work the last third and fourth quarter, and there were times where I think I believe it was Zolak said this offensive lineman is going to get Mac Jones killed. I I can't remember his is name. Yes, it was Heron. It was Heron. Heron yeah, he was dad, yeah. was g- was going to get Mac killed, mm-hmm. and he it, it was spot on. Like I went back and I looked, mm-hmm. and y like y'all can agree with me. Like mm-hmm. Mac Jones was taking shots. and He was mm-hmm. taking yep, shots, yep. chest level and below. Like, the, and, uh, uh, there were more leg shots and knee shots than the word to the chest. If you know what I'm saying. So the, you know, the, the kid stood pat. Like the kid stood tall. He showed me a lot. He looked the part,
2: and Burge. The floor is yours. Yeah, well just following up on Heron. Heron got benched in that game for, you know, uh, you know, he came in to take over for Trent Brown who got hurt uh on the first series and then, you know, I think they went to uh I think his name is Dasher. Is that right, Jay? The the, the uh, third string right tackle they brought in. They ended up benching Heron and brought in brought in another you know, the third string third string tackle. I believe it's Yashiv Dasher, I think his name is. Yashiv Dasher. I'm blanking on I'll his name, look it but, up. Yeah, well, he didn't yeah, kill yeah, Mac anyways, Jones. We know no. that much. And he came in; and he played better than, than than Heron did. That was that was a huge disappointment because he Heron had done done very well as a uh, swing tackle last year. I remember they you know a lot of people were were very happy with how he had stepped in you know when he needed to. Um, but <clears throat> getting into the game here, um, you know, <clears throat> Jay, I kind of echo a lot of what you said with Mac Jones. Um, I thought he vastly outplayed Tua. I was very happy with what I saw out of him and is probably one of the uh, only, uh, you know, real high points that I can take out of this game is that, you know, the kid can play. Um, There were no throws that he made, and I know they did not attempt a ball to the end zone. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, But, you know, there were no throws that Mac Jones made that made me me cringe or be like, what the hell are you doing there? Like, every throw that he made seemed like it was the right decision uh, uh, on the plays. Um, you know, he just looked sound. He looked like you said, Puma, he looked poised. He looked like he was, you know, he wasn't the, the, uh, spotlight wasn't too big for him. Um, you know, and it, the pass to James White on the wheel route was an unbelievable throw. He dropped it right in his breadbacks basket there. I know it didn't go for score or anything, but, um, that, that play definitely wowed me. You know, when I saw that, I was like, wow, he, this kid can, this kid can definitely play. Um, he makes the right decisions, and yeah, I love the fact that he was standing in there taking the hits to get the ball out. And you know, obviously, I don't love that he's getting hit, but to, to know that he's not shying away from those hits and that he's going to follow through on his throws, um, you know, in the uh, presence of a of a guy barreling down on him, you know, gives me some very, uh, very, very good feelings about this kid going forward. Um, I think
1: uh, I'm sorry I, I think no, honestly go ahead, go ahead.
2: the only time he, I think the only time he had happy feet was when he
1: fumbled the football at the beginning of the game. The mm-hmm. rest of the time the
0: kid had ice in his veins. Yeah, and, and I'm yeah. not even going to hold that against him because me right. and you're talking about that, it's going to happen. Like, I mean, it is what it is. This is why we were hoping Mac would start so we could get through those, you know, early rookie moments and Absolutely. get through those lows so eventually we can build on it. Now, obviously, he has to kind of move forward and, you know, the upcoming uh, Jets game is going to give us some more indication of how, how the offensive staff views him. Are they going to let him open up a little more, throw some, throw some stuff downfield? Um, that's all going to come with it. I mean, it is what it is when you... You open the game and it's your first game and you're a little bit freaked out I mean that's totally normal you know
2: yep absolutely and you know, I was definitely freaked out by that. I was like, wow, when the kid actually tried to throw an incomplete pass backwards. I was like, yikes, that's not a good start. Well, so but anyways, he made up the, for one it. The
0: few times that you were freaked out, I wasn't. I was like, "Oh, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's even you if you like, it's upside down. It's upside it down. It's what it is, bro. I mean, it's, it's literally his first drive. And the same thing happened with the Jets down in uh, in Carolina. Zach Wilson was god awful in the first half. He took like five sacks, threw a pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Second half, he looked really, really good. I was watching some of his highlights this morning, and like he started really coming on second and a half he started seeing where the blitz was coming from what windows were open and he was getting the ball in there so it's going to happen even Trevor Lawrence kind of had an up and down day but he was still stronger as the game went on so I'm totally fine with living that as long as he keeps building off of it next week
2: absolutely absolutely and you know just just an easy way for me to break down this game I, I kind of came up with a three up and three three ups and three downs for the Patriots in this game so I'll briefly talk about you know, the three ups, obviously we just hit on one. You know, I'm gonna say Mac Jones, so I'm not gonna rehash that again. Mm-hmm. The second up here is is Nelson Aguilar. You know, he came in and he was obviously, you know, he caught the touchdown pass from, from Mac Jones. I, I thought he looked looked really good in the offense. Um, you know, the guy wasn't even wasn't even sure if he was gonna suit up and play, and he came in and he you know, he made an impact. So I was I was happy about that. And again, I know the Patriots lost, so these these are these ups are a little bit Uh, you know, taking it with a grain of salt, so to speak. Uh, The last ones I want to get into are Matt Judon and Josh Uche in this game. I thought they looked really good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Judon with that epic hit on Tua on the interception where he chased them down and he absolutely manhandled him. Mm -hmm. It was just like, wow, what a hit. His back Um, teeth were floating. I thought thought he
0: broke broke two and a half. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, (laughs)
2: that was a beautiful hit, you know, clean. Nothing dirty about it. It was a, it was just a great hit. And then Josh Uche, you know, barreled through and, you know, came up with a sack. I'm really excited to see what this kid turns into as the year goes on. Uh, you know, I think they, they really ha- might have something in him uh, going forward. Now to the fun part, Jay. Here we go. Three down. Ding, so ding, gonna, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to start, and this would have been an up if not for the, the fumbling mishaps that they had as the running backs. I thought they ran the ball. Pretty well, you know, it it was very evident that they came in, that they were going to come out and run the ball. Damian Harris went over 100 yards. Um, But those fumbles, man. You know, Ramondre Stevenson with that fumble, you know, early on. And then, you know, the back-breaking fumble of Damian Harris. I was ready to crucify him on Sunday. I've since gotten my my bearings under me I, I ready Jay, ready
1: to crucify Birds, you were driving was,
2: the nails down i know i was telling you were, Jay you had the hammer today. you had
1: one nail in you had the you, second you, nail in and dude, we you talked you off the ledge so by poking crack. by poking the, poking oh, the bear we stopped we stopped you from putting that third nail in the guy
2: you
0: turned on listen. Him so quickly man you used to love ding
1: oh Hurst. i know
2: <laughs> i still do i still do but listen I told Jay earlier today, Puma, you weren't. I don't think this was a conversation with you, but I need the Sunday, I need that night to when the Patriots lose to just get my irrational venting thoughts out, and then I will wake oh, up Monday did. morning and you, you did. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You did. <laughs> just get me, get me through that day, and then you know, everybody listening, if you're you following my Twitter feed the day of the Patriots games, just know they lose, and I'm being absolutely irrational on Twitter. It's because I need it's, it's me venting, but anyways. That's that that fumble that Damian Harris had at the end of the game was absolutely inexcusable. I don't care if you're tired, I don't care, I don't care about that. If they're being given the ball in that situation, you protect that ball no matter what. And the onus for me is on the player. And I know you guys disagree about that, and I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, once I get through this segment this part of it here, but that's inexcusable. You cannot put the ball on the ground when you're in the red zone with 3 minutes to go when you're down a point. It brought back PTSD with the Buffalo game last year when Cam Newton did the same damn thing. Fumbled the game away at the end when they were driving to win. Second down on this game was the offensive play calling with the coaching staff. I was very unhappy with how conservative this this play calling was, even as the game was going on. I get at the beginning of the game, you come out, you're gonna be conservative, you're not gonna put Mac Jones in a situation where he needs to, you know, where he may fail or turn the ball over or whatever. But as the game went on, and you could see that Mac Jones was, you know, he was making the right decisions. He wasn't putting the team in a position to, you know, turn the ball over. Let the kid throw. Let him go. Let him attempt the ball to the end zone for God's sakes. Like that, that, that really irked me. That that they did not unleash him. And I granted, I know they threw the ball. I think it was thirty nine times in this game. But let him, let him, let him air it out because he was clearly showing that he was ready for the moment. Finally, my last third, I'll, then I'll shut up, Jay, let you go, is the secondary. I was very, very displeased with how, especially the corners played mm-hmm. on the uh, opening drive of the game, the opening drive of the half, and then that last drive after the Damian Harris fumble. They were letting these slants go like crazy. Part of that, I think you could put on the play calling because they weren't in man. They were in a lot of zone most of this game. Um, but, you know, Puma, I'm with you on Jalen Mills, man. I'm, I'm... Oh wagon. now you come oh, around. About uh, about now, now you come about. around. Welcome dude. to the Jalen Mills <laughs> Human Gas Can Club. Absolutely. The, the so-called <laughs> Now you see what I'm talking about. Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. I am done with him. I mean, he did have a nice uh breakup, I think it was in the third quarter. But other than that, that dude was abysmal. I, I am done with him. You know, let's just let's just hope week seven Stefan Gilmore comes back because this this secondary absolutely needs him. In there, so they can start running their normal defense, where they run a lot of man versus zone. Um, you know, J.C. Jackson wasn't wasn't great either. He had a couple of nice plays, but still, nothing nothing stood out. Those three drives, they they the, Tua and the Dolphins just kind of just ran their thing with them. There was it seemed like there was no real pushback on that. Um, it, just get, get get me Stephon Gilmore back. I'm looking forward <laughs> to week seven for this secondary. I'm I'm done with Jalen Mills, man. Jonathan Jones, great interception on that that ball by Tua. Obviously, it hit off the hands of Kaseki like you said, Puma, but get me Gilmore back. Go ahead, I mean, Jay. let's
1: let's let's be honest. Like Tua and Devontae Parker could have ran that quick slant off the release all mm-hmm. game, and nobody was mm-hmm. going to stop them.
0: They were running that RPO like quick slant game all day long. You know, I'm like, yep. it looks like it was basic college stuff too. I was surprised they're having so much success with it. But listen, for the most part, Burge, I agree with you on the positives. Like, I, I really loved what I saw out of Mac Jones. Judon would probably be on my positive list as well. The man's an absolute freak. I mean, he's gonna have like. One of those years where he's going to become like a top five defender in the NFL because of how well he's going to produce. Uh, Other than that, man, I I was I don't think I can really put like Uche or like Mills or even like, uh, you know, Phillips had a better second half. But for the most part, the rest of the team just didn't play that well, you know, like. I it's it's a it's a weird game because statistically the Patriots dominated this game time of possession yards all that stuff except for turnovers and the big turnover at the end of the game kind of let us let us to a loss so if I had to you know do the whole like you know blame pie thing you know I would give Damon Harrison obviously twenty five percent of the blame and seventy five percent of blame on the coaching staff because I do believe oh god here we go Bill Belichick and the coaching staff got out coached. I I, I 100% believe that Brian Flores essentially ran circles around him, right? And last year, this happened last year as well, and we could always point to Cam Newton being, oh, well, listen, your quarterback sucks, so obviously, you know, you can't really put the onus on Bill Belichick. However, today, I mean, on Sunday, Mac Jones had a great game. Like He had an absolutely fantastic game, and you weren't position with the game, but you just couldn't come up with the stops late in the game to give him the ball back. And I'm talking about what happened after the fumble, right? Bro, you make it seem like when the fumble happened, the game ended immediately? That's not the case. Obviously, there were still three minutes left on the clock, and the Dolphins had, uh, what, a whole drive? I mean, at one point, they had a penalty, and it was first. I didn't and say that at all. It was first and 14, and, and what I was just hoping for was I was hoping for Bill Belichick and that, you know, genius coaching of his to somehow get the ball back for one more drive, right? I was hoping that we would essentially, you know, give Mac Jones one more try. But, you know, the bigger point being made, and some of the guys on the Boston radio shows were making it, like, you know, the one-score losses are kind of insane over the last year and a half or so. Um, since 2020, they're 3-5 and five in, you know, one-score losses when there were 30-16 and 16 from 24 to 2019, right? This, you know, it, it's something where I, I just wish that we would go back to the old ways of the Patriots where we played great in late games, came up with the big stops, had situational awareness, and essentially were able to close that game. That's something that we just couldn't do on Sunday night.
1: I'll say these two things before you guys go like 15 rounds. Two things. <laughs> one, one. The penalties are on. Like, listen, absolutely. The coaching staff. Like, the, the, yep. there were times where it was undisciplined. Like, there was. I think it was the beginning of the third quarter because I was driving home from work, and um, Gunnar Olszewski had a great, great punt return, mm-hmm. and that got called back because Matt Judon was was on the Dolphin sideline and was yep. sitting on the bench, and it got called for basically taunting. It was unnecessary roughness, but that's basically what it was. All right, and then the the next play, so you just lost 15 yards of real estate off that pump return. The next play, uh, offensive lineman, I believe, I forgot his name, it was probably the same guy who was trying to get Mac Jones killed. It uh, gets called for a personal foul for another 15 yards. So you mm-hmm. just lost 30 yards off of a great pump return. Like, things like that are on the coaching staff. And I'm going to, and yeah. I'm, Bridge, I'm saying this. i agree with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'll agree I'm with you on that. I'm saying this not just about Belichick with with like you know the fumble stuff. I'm gonna say this about Ron Rivera and Antonio Gibson. I'm gonna say this about John Harbaugh and and uh, and Lamar Jackson. I'm not putting the fumbles on the coach, but what I am saying is going into week two, where you have a key division matchup for the Washington Football Team. You have a huge matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. God gave you two hands for a goddamn reason. Like, you need to hold on to the football. Like, Washington would have won that game against the Chargers if Antonio Gibson didn't fumble for a second time on his own five-yard line. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert made him pay. We all know what happened last night with Lamar Jackson. Like, like it or not... Like, call it fundamentals. I understand the players need to take personal responsibility. But it is on the coaching staff to hammer home. Like, you putting the ball on the ground is putting us in a bad position. Like, you know, Jay, we were talking about this offline after the game. Like, the old Patriot way was, we're going to have the other team shoot themselves in the Mm -hmm. foot. We're going to remain composed. We're going to keep doing our game. And we're just going to let these guys shoot themselves. And, And that
2: didn't happen Sunday. No, that's, that's exactly right. That didn't happen Sunday. But if the Patriots coaching staff is going to bench the rookie, Stevenson, who fumbled the ball early, you're going to rely on your quote-unquote veteran running back that you have, he's three years in the league now, to hold on to the ball. And to me, that is 100% on the player. All right, You can't have all your running backs fumbling the ball. At some point, there's got to be personal responsibility on that. And... To me, that's not on Bill Belichick. That's not on on Josh McDaniels. That's not on Ivan Fears, the running back coach. These players need to know that they need to have the the ball secured in these situations. The the one thing you can't do is fumble the ball. And they did it. And you're 100% right. This is typical of the Patriots, what they were, you know, pre-2020, where they wait around for other teams to shoot themselves in the foot. They didn't do that. It was the roles were reversed in this game. The Patriots shot themselves in the foot. And they ended up with a loss. Now, I want JJ Taylor to be active in week two. Week two here against the Jets. It's clear that they need to have you know as many running backs active as possible. Um, there was a report out that uh, Damien Harris had been fatigued going into that carry, into that situation. In that situation, I will put that on on McDaniel's and the coaching staff. That you don't put a fatigued running back back in there. I get, I get it that. Uh, Stevenson was benched. They didn't trust him to make that. He's a rookie. I understand that. But they had just given a carry to Brandon Bolden in that game. They had him active. Why, if Damian Harris is fatigued, why are you not going to trust a guy who's been in the league for, what, eight years now to go out there and just give you a carry to give Damian Harris a break to spell him? Uh, that that, well, you that know, part of to put it.
1: James White uh, back there, too.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Give James White the ball, 100%. And th- that is a fair second guess, and, I, and I'm not going to argue against that.
0: But let me ask you a question, and I and I'm not asking this, you know, in a in a weird or negative way, but like sure you aren't. I, I'm concerned about the fact that we can't seem to win close games anymore, right? And last year, obviously, it was a lot of it was put on Cam. The fact that we're three and five since the beginning of 2020 in eight points or less games, uh, you know, a lot of that was on Cam last year. But this year, with a great performance by Mac Jones, you would have thought they walked away with a win uh, on Sunday, right? And it just seems to me that the margin of error that Brady provided is obviously not there anymore. And it seems that Belch is crapping all over himself because of that, right? Like, I, the margin of error was so big before. I mean, anything could happen. He'd come in, erase it, and Brady would lead us down the field and we'd win the game. After the fumble, I, 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 in the back of my mind, I just had a feeling that somehow Belichick would do something, have some sort of defensive scheme in the back pocket, some sort of bliss that he hasn't shown all game to bring the heat after that fumble with 3.31 left to get the ball back to in Mac Jones' hand, and maybe you can try another field goal or drive down the field. But, you know, there were times where the, the Dolphins were, like, what, first and 14 after a four-yard penalty with, like, three minutes left, and they still give up 13 yards? Like, I, it just seems like... I the old Belichick would have had some sort of answer in that situation, and he didn't on Sunday.
2: See, see for me with that is I, the second guess for me in that situation was the usage of the timeouts. Um, you know, I would have uh, allowed Miami an attempt to, or at least waited until after the two-minute warning to start using them. Um, look, the secondary was trash yesterday. We all agree on that. And those little dink-and-dunk slant routes that the Patriots could not stop all game came back to bite them. I think it was um, it was Mills on I think it was Waddle or was it Parker at the end? Well, probably Parker. Like third, Parker had, like, a, had his lunch. Side note I can't wait for Devontae Parker to become a Patriots, Patriots fan so I can buy his jersey for my little guy. Anyways yes that was that was brutal and Jalen Mills wasn't even in the same realm as Parker when he caught that ball and he ended up going and getting the first down. And this the the, the, the play of the timeouts in this game irked me that they used them all before the 2 minute warning because then you're hedging your bets that you're going to that you're going to you are going to stop the dolphins on this next you know on that on that series on that you know set of downs that they had uh when you're calling the timeouts and in the end they didn't and and to be honest with you once i Jay I'm not I'm going to be different than you on this once the fumble happened I knew the game was over I was just like I have no faith in the defense to to you know get the stop I just didn't
0: but, but, I mean, we have the greatest coach of all time. He should be able to, like, have something in his back pocket with 3.31 left. The game at that point was not over. There are many games in the NFL. You know, like last night, right? The Raiders ended up with one big play to end the game. And that's not what happened with Damon Harrison. He had one bad play, but the game was still going on after that. And and the bigger concern I have is we spent all this money in the offseason on the defense, and they looked kind of trash. Besides Judon... Besides Judon, they still look soft on defense, especially up the middle. Uh, they got pushed around, and I did not expect that week one of the 2021 football season. I expected the defense to carry the offense. I expected it to lean on the defense until the offense kind of came about, but that it was kind of almost a revolver reversal where Mac Jones looked decent moving the football, and the defense was just kind of almost awful, truthfully.
2: Well, I think Christian Barmore showed some showed something in this game when he was out there. He was pushing guys around uh, in on the defensive front there, and I think that he's going to end up developing into a, you know, Will Fork style of player for this defense. I really believe that. Uh, that being said, I mean, I don't know how. I. Mean, you look at the secondary of this team and the way Jalen Mills played in this game, I just – I, I just, there was something in my head that just said, this is done. I, I don't have faith in, in Jalen Mills. And again, it comes back to me clamoring for Stefan Gilmore to come back in week you seven. I'm, just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, the defense is going to look, it's going to be like a complete 180 as to what this defense is going to look like once Stefan Gilmore is back out there and they can start playing their man defense. Because I, I, I Obviously, you're gonna. I know what your answer is to this, but are you gonna trust Jalen Mills to go one on one with the with the second best target on the uh, on the on the opposing uh, team's you know arsenal? No, I'm not. I sure no. as hell not. Yeah. I, I'm I'm ready to just write that guy off. I'm I'm done with him at this point. He's gonna show me something more in the next couple weeks. Yeah.
1: So with that being said, what are we looking for in the Jets Pats game?
0: Oh, I think it's going to be a steamroll. I mean, I think this is... this is, like, this is a get-right exactly, game? Exactly what the doctor ordered. Anytime you have the New York Jets on your schedule after a bad loss, I mean, that's what that's what you need. You know, that's essentially... I, I expect a, like, a double-digit win here, right? I expect the offense to do whatever they want to do. I expect the defense to put a lot of pressure on Zach Wilson, who uh, eventually was sacked six times against the Carolina Panthers because he was, you know, essentially deer in headlights in the first half of that game, but... I think on on Sunday you're going to see a completely different ball game, completely different game uh, from the Patriots, and I think we're going to end up winning that game fairly fairly easily. What
2: about you, I Brooks? mean, for me, for me, I think I think you're going to finally see them uh, pull the reins off Mac Jones a little bit. I think you're going to see them let let him throw the ball. Um, I, I think they're obviously still going to um, be run heavy in this game. I think um, I really think J.J. Taylor will be active in this game as another back option for the Patriots, and you know I think. You know, Belichick's defenses tend to eat up rookie quarterbacks. Let's call it a cliche, whatever you want to call it. But I think that the defense will will be okay uh, in terms of getting pass rush against uh, the New York Jets, considering Makai Beck- Beckham is going to be out in this game. Uh, so I think that you're going to see a lot of pressure from the front seven of this team, and it's going to help mask some of the significant deficiencies in the secondary Mac Jones, I think, is going to have himself a day, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Whether or not it's going to be a double-digit win or not, I'm not going to go that far. I still think that that the way that they're going to scheme this game, it may end up being closer than people think, but I, they're going to walk out of here with a win comfortably. In so my if opinion. you had
0: to guess right now, would it be Damien Harris, J.J. Taylor, Brandon Bolden, and James White? Do you think they dress uh, the rookie or no?
2: I think, yeah, I think it's very, very possible that he ends up getting, uh, getting it being the inactive this week. I think J.J. Taylor, based on how he has performed in the preseason, you know, he was around last year too. I think he's earned his chance. So, yeah, if I was gonna guess, it's probably gonna be Stevenson as the, uh, as the odd man out. Yeah. Bolden's gonna be, be dressed for his special teams, you know, either way.
0: Yeah, and at the moment, the Patriots are a five point five favorite um, going to that Jets game.
2: Yeah, I, real quick. I, I think they cover uh,
1: it. I think they cover I think I think it's I don't think it's gonna be double digits. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be by a touchdown. Um, you know, like you said, Jay, like for for all the, you know, Zach Wilson ragdolling that he took out from a mm-hmm. Carolina front four, that's legit. I think it's all like a bunch of former first round picks. The kid showed me a lot, uh, especially after Makai Becton went down. Uh that offensive line's always been bad when Becton's gone out. You can look at what Sam Darnold did with the splits when Becton was in there last year compared to when he wasn't in there, um, but I, I think it's going to be just like you know just like the doctor ordered. It's going to be a touchdown game in my opinion, but I, I think New England walks away with the win.
0: Yeah, and and, I'm not, and you know hopefully you know by saying this uh, I don't come off come across crazy, but because only week two, but. I think this is a low-key must-win game for the Patriots. Like, if they don't win this game... Oh, if you go 0-2 oh, in the next,
1: division, you're at the bottom with, with the Jets. or the,
0: you know, next, the next two opponents after the Jets are uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's, there's a real good chance you are looking at 0-4 if you somehow lose this game. So, I, I expect these guys to come out, especially with everything they're hearing, all the negativity after the Dolphins' uh, loss. Um, I think they're going to come out and just absolutely blow doors off for the New York Jets, man. And if they don't, oh, my God. Could you imagine the next day? Oof.
1: Woo, the, don't get going to be
2: must-listen radio. It, but, Pro football radio is going to be must-listen because I'm going to end up g- agreeing with Jay. <laughs> oh, oh is
0: this you this heard it, it here, is folks. Is this the game? Is this the game? Okay.
1: So all right. All right. bet the mortgage on the Jets. Got it. <laughs> all
0: right. Jets money line. Let's go. So you would come across to my side of the aisle if the New York Jets won on Sunday, huh? Uh, I...
2: It depends on uh, on what. what oh, here oh, we, go. Oh, here we go. He's backtracking. Oh, no, it. No, no. He immediately, go. He's immediately he's immediately backtracking. All right, let's
1: go to game previews. All right,
0: let's go. All right, let's move on to Thursday night. I love you, Birch. <laughs>
2: hey, I'm not, I can talk for hours on it. Let's go. Yeah, let's we're
0: we're, we're fifty minutes fifty minutes in and we haven't even hit uh, the game previews. Oh preview, my so.
1: fucking god. So let's right. uh, let's
0: move on to the New York Giants taking on the Washington football team on Sunday Night Football. Uh, obviously, I'm. I'm sure you guys have all heard by now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be out for multiple weeks. Maybe the whole year, depending on how bad his hip injury is, we'll get more information on that. So, in this, in this absence, one of Puma's favorite players, Taylor Heineke, is going to be starting. Is Heineke! Gonna be starting, and, and I'm sure Puma is going to be watching with some pants tent action, as, uh, as Burge would say on Thursday night. So, Puma, yep. let's turn it over to you. Let's get your thoughts on, on this game.
1: Yep. So I mean, this is Jay. I mean, you were talking about this is a key division matchup, like you know, for the Jets and the and the Pats. Like this is a key division matchup for the Giants and the Washington Football Team. Like you, this division is so weak. Like you cannot go zero and two in your own division. Um, the uh, the New York Giants are coming off of a twenty seven to thirteen loss. I mean, really, like the Denver Broncos just dominated the New York Giants in my opinion, from what I saw. Uh, Saquon Barkley. I didn't think he was going to do a whole lot against the Denver Broncos just because of the short turnaround of Thursday Night Football. It'll be interesting to see if they let Saquon run loose. But again, it doesn't really matter if the offensive line for the Giants are not going to be opening up holes. Um, I shared the stat with you guys offline, but... Uh, he was, Saquon, for the, the 10 touches that he had, uh, he was the most inefficient runner in all of the National Football League uh, of Week 1. He ran more uh, east-west than he did north-south. That's because of how bad the offensive line was. Daniel Jones, the fumble problems continue. Mm-hmm. I think he's got like, what is it, like 30, 30. 31 fumbles in yep. like 28 starts. Um, so that, that is a massive problem for a Washington defense that is in a prime bounce back spot and they they laid an egg against the chargers uh, chase young uh had his ass handed to him by uh rashawn slater that rookie out of i believe it's northwestern um it got so bad uh against the chargers on sunday that they had to move chase young on the other side of the offensive mm-hmm. line so they could get more pressure because justin herbert was 14 and 19 on third down conversions they the washington football team could not get off of the goddamn field But this is a prime bounce-back spot. Uh, Antonio Gibson needs to hold on to the football. Like I said, Ron Rivera, the running back coaches, they need to emphasize ball security. And you know what? You can say that all you want, Burge, but there's a rumor that has gone around for decades that Tiki Barber's fumbles were so bad... That Tom Coughlin may or may not have, like, duct-taped the football to Tiki Barber to teach ball control. Like, this is a, like, they're grown-ass adults. They're professionals. I understand that. But when you're putting the ball on the ground, the cost the team, a victory, you need to emphasize that shit. And they need to do that with Antonio Gibson. The spread in this game, last I looked, was uh, Washington minus three. The over-under is 40 and a half. Um, I like Washington covering here. I think they're going to roll against the New York Giants. This is going to be a key bounce-back spots. I like the under in this game, but give me Washington winning. Give me Washington covering the game. Let's go. Heineke,
0: yeah. is there any news on if Evan Ingram's going to be able to play? Because I think last I checked, he remained sideline uh, yeah, for today's he was still, walkthrough practice session. Right.
1: Right. He was still sideline with what's a what's a calf injury. Uh, the, the 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 turnaround this week is so short that they really don't have full practice reports. It's just estimated. Uh, if they had a practice, I think he would have missed today honestly i'm not expecting evan ingram to play if he is at all it's going to be a decoy and decoy is air quotes because he doesn't do a whole lot when the game is on the line he just balls out in practice
0: yeah
2: no I, I i puma i'm with you on this um i i like washington here to cover and win pretty handily I think we're starting to see the uh, obituary on Danny yeah. Pennies. I I moved. Yeah. I moved my nickname Danny Pennies to the uh, New York Giants. I, I yeah. you know, one of my good buddies is a big Giants fan, and he's already at the point where he is uh, throwing in the towel on this year with with Danny with Danny Jones and the New York Giants. It's just you got to you man. know. It very well could see David Gettleman fired at some point during mm-hmm. the season if they does, this doesn't get corrected. Um, you know, Puma, I'm with you on Taylor Heineke. I love, Heineke. I love what he brings. I mean, he was he was pretty good when he came he into was the game. That ball, mm-hmm. you know, 11 mm-hmm. of 15 for 122. I like that. You know, he, this is his chance to kind of you know solidify his position as a starting NFL quarterback in the league. And it's it's perfect. It's kind of similar to the Patriots in the in in the Jets here. It's kind of the perfect get right game for, you know, the Washington football team. I mean, Chase Young and that defensive line has a has a horrendous offensive line they're going up against this week. It's a perfect get right game for them. You know, I give me give me the Washington football team here, you know, to cover and all that. And just uh, real quick, first uh, of Parker's picks for the week. He decided to go for the yogurt treat on the Giants. Logo oh, here, so he's going wow. with the Giants in this game.
0: Okay, upset alert!
2: Upset <laughs> alert! So we'll see what happens.
0: Listen, I was watching most of the games on Sunday, and you know, I have a Sunday Direct TV now, so I was kind of like feeling back and forth through a bunch of different teams and a bunch of different games. And I think I've, I've got it down to three teams. That I think are the worst in the NFL after week one obviously there's a lot that can happen but the jets the jacksonville jaguars and the new york giants were the absolute three worst teams i saw all sunday long man and listen daniel jones is not it man i was never a big fan of him coming out of college you know the new york giants eventually took him because of that manning connection which is absolutely ridiculous you're going to take a franchise quarterback just because one of the manning said so but you know his his fumbling his fumbling and his turnovers are just continuing. He fumbled late in the third uh, quarter, that all but sealed the fate for his first team. And you know it's it's one of those things where. I even think David Getterman, like you said, Bird, is probably gonna be gone in the next six to eight weeks. Like you might see a full-on like let's try to reset this whole thing. We'll keep Joe Judge for another couple of years, but you know Danny Pennies and Gettleman might be out of the uh, the picture. On the Washington Football side, man, I'm absolutely so stoked to watch Taylor Heineke on Thursday night. Like I, I cannot watch anymore. If it's tragic. Like I-, I don't understand how this guy keeps getting starts in the nfl this is like his 14th team he's played for like half of the league and for some reason he's still starting so i've always thought that telehineke had something to him he has like that that confidence he has some heart he has some balls i do believe that they can essentially uh uh, telehineke can lead them to a couple wins now it is it is funny that you know ron rivera isn't calling cam Newton to come in for uh for a little workout i mean i i would have for short thought there was some sort of reports on that but it looks like that's not going to happen either and nope. on the on the other side of it you know for for Washington the defensive side that, that front seven was absolutely getting mauled by the Chargers' offensive line. And obviously, the Chargers put quite a bit of resources and uh, money behind retooling that, that offensive line for Justin Herbert. But Chase Young, Sweat, all those guys, they were basically invisible they the whole They had night. to move Young! Yeah. They had I mean, to move Young off a rookie! Dude, Slater is a real dude. So Slater actually did the same thing to him when Northwestern played Ohio State. Yeah, a couple of years back. I mean, uh, Young was absolutely nowhere be found that game as well. So uh, Slater's the real deal. And, and if it, if this continues where they can't get pressure on, on Danny Pennies, the Giants are going to end up winning this game, but I think it's going to be a different situation on Thursday night. I've got the Washington football team winning 21-17, man.
1: And real quick, before we move off this game, this has to be. This might be a kind of coming out party for Jamin Davis. He was the Washington football team's first-round pick this year. There was a lot of hype going in for Jamin Davis go, uh, against the Chargers game. The linebacker position was already, is thin uh, already. Uh, but I think Jamin Davis, this is going to be a get-right game personally for himself as well, too. So I'm keeping an eye out for Jamin Davis. I'm keeping an eye out for this whole team as, a, as you know in totality. But Jamin Davis, for sure, I'm going to be watching on Thursday.
0: Yeah, i'm excited right, my buffalo brother, miami my brother's a big giants fan so he's gonna come over and i'm just gonna be poking him all night as well
1: <laughs> oh god fight night good at that. House. Good at that.
0: <laughs> let's move on to the puma bowl the buffalo bills oh at god. 0-1 coming off of a loss against the uh pittsburgh Steelers, are taking on the miami dolphins who we just talked about a few seconds ago being the patriots so puma who are you picking in this game which jersey are you rocking on sunday you know we better off. In, in this game
1: here, I mean from a betting perspective and just from, from the eye test here, I, I think this is going to be a, a Buffalo game. I mean, right now the spread, last I looked, it was Buffalo. Three-point favorites. Over under is 48 and a half. They're gonna be traveling down to South Beach. Um, I mean, let's let's be honest the, the first half of the Buffalo game Like it was shaky, but they were up to nothing And then halftime came And the wheels fell off the bus The Steelers made a great special teams play They blocked the punt for a touchdown I think, what was it, like twenty six unanswered points in the second half And mm-hmm. uh, they ended up losing uh, What the hell was it? 23-26, yeah 23-26, and it was just <laughs> I, I, think it was, I think it was a mix of a couple of things It was a mix of The Bills drinking their own Kool-Aid uh, and I think it was a mix of everyone just being hyped up for having a full house in Buffalo for the first time. I mean, they didn't even have anybody there for the playoffs, for Christ's sake. But I think it was a mix of two things. I think this is going to be a get, another get-right game for the Buffalo Bills. I, I have more faith in their defensive line against the offensive line for the Miami football. Uh, Miami Dolphins, I mean, they might as well be the Miami football team at this point because I, I, I just, thinking and Duncan, death by a thousand razor blades, Starlu Talele. Hopefully he'll be able to start this game, get some pressure up front, take a little heat off of Ed Oliver and uh in the rookie draft pick out of Miami. Um, but I mean this is this is a get-right game. Uh, Josh Allen looks shaky. I'll be the first to fucking admit that. He looks shaky, the offense looks shaky. Brian Dayball took some blame in this game as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um they're, they're gonna be getting right in this game, in my opinion. Uh, I think they cover the three points. The eh, not really going to touch the over under this game if i had to lean i'll probably take the over uh, just because i think that buffalo is going to try to prove a point here Uh, but tua again tua needs to show me something like you need to show me that dog that you had jay like you pointed out uh coming off the bench cold in that national championship game like Mm -hmm. you need to show me that dog until i see that dog you are alex smith jr in my eyes Mm -hmm. so but uh right now give me give me buffalo to win
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Brian Dayball because I I do believe the whole approach to this game was off, man. Because I think Brian Dayball wanted to come in, essentially spread the ball out, no running back, and ask Josh Allen to pick the Pittsburgh uh, secondary apart, which is kind of suspect. And in theory, I guess it makes sense. But in execution, it was a complete disappointment, right? They end up losing 26-23. And furthermore, you are right, Puma. Josh Allen did give off that, like, year one, year two vibe. You know, like he definitely did look like he, you know, obviously I'm not going to say regress, but like he definitely did look the old uh, the old Josh Allen. Um, the offensive line got mauled by the Pittsburgh defense. The wide receivers weren't getting separation. I think all in all, it was just a brutal all-around day for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, I think this is a get-right game. We've already discussed Miami in detail. But give me the Bills to rebound here. Give me Bills 28-24.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be with you guys on this. I think that this is also a textbook get right game for the Buffalo Bills. I watched the entirety of that Buffalo Pittsburgh uh, game to my pleasure. I loved it. Um, but you know, the biggest thing that stood out to me is the lack of a running game for the Buffalo Bills. I know Devin Singletary ended up with eleven for seventy two, but most of that came late in the game. Um, right. You know, they were Zach Boss was inactive, right? Yeah, he didn't even get a carry. I think he was inactive. I think that's right. Matt Breda was in there. Um, You know, they were relying on Josh Allen to run the ball. You know, there was was very questionable play calling in this game. I remember a fourth down play call in this game where they ended up throwing it, like, six yards in the backfield. I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, why why are you doing that? You know, and, you know, it is a get-right game for the Buffalo Bills. I am going to take them, you know, to cover the three-and-a-half points here. Um, But, you know, I – Going against Pittsburgh's offense versus Buffalo's defense in that game, I was very, like, just mad about the Buffalo defense. I mean, Big Ben looked cashed for three quarters of that game, and he just did not look good. It was very evident that the Steelers were having trouble running the ball in that game. I mean, Najee Harris had 16 for 45. Mm-hmm. You know, 18 of that came on one carry. So, you know, they were, they were containing him and making Big Ben run the ball, and the game was one on defense. Will Miami's defense be able to do the same thing? I don't think so. I think you'll see Xavier Howard, you know, shadowing Stefan Diggs uh, in this game, which Pittsburgh did a great job in containing him. He did have nine receptions for 69 yards in that game on Sunday. And if if Miami can, you know, take him, you know, eliminate him, I mean, Josh Allen looked confused back there. He was definitely looking like he was very frustrated uh, in this game. He was showing it, the emotion throughout it. Um, How much but, you, you love know, that? Oh, dude! I was pants tent pants <laughs> tent all afternoon until the Patriots played. But you know it, it. It's a classic. It's a classic rebound game for them. I'm going to be very interested to see. I do think that they cover and end up getting the win in this game.
0: Well, it's interesting because if you look at the stats, you would have thought the, you know the Buffalo Bills ran away with this game. Time of possession was 33 minutes for Bills, 26 for the Steelers. 371 total yards for the Bills, 252 for the Steelers. I mean, for most of these stats that you're looking at, first downs, 22 to 16, it seems like the the Buffalo Bills were on this game, but unfortunately that turnover, that was huge. I mean, that essentially kind of did them in as well. And then that uh, the big, plot, uh, the big uh, punt block punt on block. special teams, that that was the one that kind of really turned on tight as well. Mm-hmm. Steal- Steelers'
2: defense is going to be elite this year. Mm-hmm. They're going to be one of the best. Uh, their units are going to be one
0: of the best in the league. I'll agree to that. They look They look nasty as hell, man.
1: But I'll say this much: with Xavier Howard, we figured Stephon Diggs is going to be shadowed. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, he's probably going to have a, a couple of island coverages from Byron Jones. I'm looking for a big game from Gabriel Davis. Like if if Gabe Davis yep. cannot get some get some wiggle, get some action as uh, Josh Allen's go-to guy with those two guys possibly being on an island, then I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. But he had a that's phenomenal TD at.
2: catch in that
0: game. Phenomenal yep. TD
2: catch in that game.
1: Yep. So, Gabe Davis, keep an okay. eye out. All
0: right, all right. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, who are coming off of a loss to the, uh, uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. Another I'm thrilling playing.
1: game, by the way, for great opening game. night. That great was a game. great game.
0: Oh, man, that was awesome. Versus the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I want to know that I just coming off of a win against the Washington football team. And let's start with the Chargers, right? Like, I watched that Chargers football team game wire-to-wire, wire, and, and I was just so impressed with what I'm seeing out of the Chargers, right? They're stout on defense. Derwin James looks like he's got his burst back. Their wide receivers were getting separation. And that reworked offensive line in the offseason for Justin Herbert, I mean, that's given him time to throw the football downfield, and he looks absolutely amazing, man. He made a few throws on Sunday that, obviously, I'm, all, I'm already a big fan of Justin Herbert, but I was like, holy shit. Like, on pivotal third down plays, Herbert delivered ropes for, like, 17, 19, 20, and 9 yards, um, and essentially, he had a crucial uh, and a really big one down in the, in the fourth quarter as well to put the game away. He had one brutal interception, but everything I've seen out of Chargers so far, man, they look really, really good. Now, on the other end, for the Dallas Cowboys, listen, if there's ever a moral victory in the NFL, then, then the Cowboys won morally Thursday night. Like, they, it took a last-second vintage, Bra, uh, vintage Brady drive for the Buccaneers to pull that game off. And mostly because Dak looked like he never got hurt. He came back, you know, week one, just like looked like he's the MVP race, throwing 403 yards, 58 attempts. Like the, the man looks like he's on a mission and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be somebody to be reckoned with this year, especially in the uh, NFC league. So, you know, he got the ball out quick. He was carving up the uh, the defense. And he and essentially Zeke, and, and so he had no help along the way in regards to Zeke and the game plan and call for Zeke running the ball. But I think, you know, in regards to, to this game, give me the Chargers winning 27-24, man.
1: Yeah, I'm with you too. I got the Chargers rolling in this game. I mean, Justin Herbert is a, a bad mf And Ber, uh, Jay, I just hope you you, you ordered your jersey uh, for uh, for Herbert. But, uh, I mean, really, like, all I'm going to say about Dallas is, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they have to get more balance in the, on the football. Like You can't have Dak throwing 58 times. He, he missed preseason. He really wasn't active much in training camp because of a shoulder strain and an argument could be made because he maybe he's compensating because of the ankle injury here but you know you got to get some balance i saw a report uh from uh david hellman at dallascowboys.com that uh kellen moore Uh, said that he called 28 run plays but because of the front that dak was seeing he checked out of 11 of them which okay i understand like you you want to actually get positive plays but you need to get some balance you need to get some semblance zeke looks like he cut weight um i really only watched half an episode of hard knock so you guys can speak a little bit more to that like let's get zeke involved a little bit more in the passing game a little screen game here and there like let's we need to get some balance but at the same time if you look at the stats of mike mccarthy his last couple years in green bay they were bottom tier possibly 30 through 32 of you know being able to run the football uh, efficiently in the nfl so i'm surprised but i'm not surprised at the same time but i'm with you jay i expect the Chargers to roll in this game uh, the, oh, the, the spread last I saw, it was Chargers uh, three-point favorites at home, which is really going to be a home game for Dallas because the Chargers don't have a home fan base yet in that new stadium that the Rams built, essentially. The over-under is 55. I'm feeling a little froggy here. I think we're going to go over in this game, but give me the Chargers to win and cover the three points.
2: Yeah, for me, you know, watching that game Thursday night, it was one that I didn't want to stay up and watch the whole thing because I figured it was going to be a blowout uh, one way or the other, you know, when it came down to it. And I ended up staying up way too late to watch that game. And it was a phenomenal football game, like you guys said. It was very, very uh, pleasing to see what Dak Prescott was doing in that game. It seemed like he hadn't lost a step, he was out there tossing the ball around, slinging it. And. You know he, he looks like he's right back to where he was. Um, you know that being said, but you know in terms of what you guys were saying about the balance, I think that will come. I you know the the uh, the Cowboys will get Zach Martin back for this game, so I think you're going to see 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 a little bit more balance uh, throughout this game. I think that Dak right now, if he can replicate what he did and continue it, he's a very very early shot to look at a uh, an MVP uh, nomination for this for this uh, season. Uh, I'd like the Cowboys here to, to co- you know, plus uh-huh. the three here to cover it. Okay. Um, you know, I, their defense obviously is a little suspect, um, you know, granted how that game played out the other day. But, uh, you know, their offense, they have so many weapons on that offense with CeeDee Lamb. You know, Amari Cooper was a beast, especially in fantasy, uh, you know, in that game. Obviously losing Michael Gallup hurts, but I think you're going to see them incorporate Zeke more into the game plan they still have Tony Pollard back there too, who is, uh, you know, I think a, a great athlete to have as your your number two running back. I, I like the uh, the Cowboys to to cover here, um, the plus three here. Um, and real quick before we move on, uh, going back to the Dolphins Bills game, Parker did pick the Dolphins, in a it was a, a very close game, a close pick here. He was grabbing both sheets, but he ended up pulling the the uh, Dolphins to his mouth. He did drool on both of them. Kind of indicates how he feels about both teams, Dolphins and Bills. He did go. the same thing with the, co- with the Cowboys. I know, he is cute. <laughs> Look, he, he did the same thing with the Cowboys and the Chargers. He did pick the Cowboys at the end of the day to win the game. Now, if he drools on both Chiefs, does that mean that's a tie? No, if he you know he drools on both of them, it means he he's disgusted by both uh, teams. And he whatever one he picks up, he's like, I'll pick this one. You know, oh, he just maybe. didn't care. He didn't like. He didn't like what the uh, the lineup was
0: tonight. I was thinking maybe he's thinking of some like next level shit. I'm gonna pick a tie here. I'm not gonna pick a team. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Burge, you you said that Dallas
1: is gonna cover. Are you taking them to also win outright? I am gonna take. T- I am
0: okay. gonna take them to win outright. Yes. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. That's going to be a fun game, man. That's, like, one of the games that I got, like, highlighted on my on my schedule. I definitely want to watch that.
2: Should be a lot of offense in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. I think
1: the over is alive. Um, I, I, th-
2: when you said that, I was like, uh, you're feeling froggy. I'm like, I would I would be going for that if I okay. was a gambling man. If I was a, a degenerate, I would be going yeah.
0: for that. <sighs> Raven's degenerate gang. Degenerate Puma. Degenerate Puma. <laughs>
1: That's my new nickname with
0: the pod. Love it. <laughs> All right, last game that we're going to pick, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs at 1-0. Coming off of a massive thriller victory as well. Great game against the uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, final score was 33-29, taking on the Baltimore Ravens at 0-1-1. We kind of discussed them in the uh, the first block. But, Puma, who you got winning this game, man?
1: I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just, you know, mm. w- we talked about it at the top of the segment here, or at the top of the show, I should say, you know, four score and seven years ago after the autopsy of the Pats. Um, but in, <laughs> in, in, in reality, in, in and reality, in, in all seriousness here, I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs only because, again, Lamar has not shown us throwing the football. We know that at some point the Ravens are going to be down in this game, and I have zero confidence in them. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, to throw themselves back into a game. Until I see it, I'm, g- I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs out of this matchup. Now, from a betting perspective, I would probably go with the Ravens to cover the spread, only because the uh, the Chiefs are like 1-9 against the spread the last 10 games. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the line here. the uh, The spread in this game... Jesus, I just had it. It is a uh, three and a half. I think I think the wow. the Ravens cover it. I think it's going to be close, um, but I mean we we saw it. the The Browns they came out firing at all cylinders. I thought that Cleveland was going to win outright on the last uh, episode of the podcast and up until uh, after halftime in the fourth quarter it looked pretty good at that point. But Mahomes did Mahomes things. He threw a seventy five yard bomb to Tyreek Hill to mm-hmm. to take the the go ahead touchdown. I think he like got hit as he was throwing the football and and, you know, just in Mahomesian ways, the ball finds its way to Tyreek Hill, And you know, there's, there's nothing else you could do as a defender. It, you did your job. It is what it is. And sometimes the chips just fall where they may. And, um, I'm, I'm gonna go with Kansas City going into uh, you know be more in the words of Mark Ingram. They're gonna go outside the bank and and come see me, and uh, they're gonna take they're gonna take Baltimore Ravens as lunch. But I think Baltimore covers the game.
0: Yeah, covers the spread. Do you guys by chance know if uh, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark are gonna be available for this game on Sunday?
1: I think Matthew is trending toward playing. Mm-hmm. I know he was active off the COVID list, but he didn't really have a whole lot of, obviously a lot of practice time to be efficient in the game against the yeah. Browns. I think he's got a good shot of playing this week. Frank Clark, on the other hand, I'm
0: not too sure. Yeah. I think the chiefs really missed Frank Clark on Sunday. Cause you know, the first half, the, the Cleveland of Browns were pushing the, the Kansas City chiefs around and they had that 22, 10 lead. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates open in the third quarter. And, and that's the beauty of the Chiefs, man, and Patrick Mahomes. You can't give these guys a name. You've got to have your your foot on their neck for four quarters straight. And that's the only way you can win the game. And I feel kind of bad for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I feel like this is going to be a blowout. The fact that it's only at 3.5, 3.5 points is a spread. I would have thought this would have been like a seven, maybe eight point um, spread. But listen. On top of that the fact that the Ravens aren't uh, are missing uh, Marcus Peters. Um, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a, a massive day and whoever has him in fantasy start him.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, going to, it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. The guy continues to, you know, just beat all odds and win games. You know, I I was watching, you know, follow I wasn't watching the Cleveland game, but I was following it and you know, they were up pretty big in that game and you know, Mahomes did Mahomes things and came back, you know, it's hard for me to pick against, against the guy, especially after watching, you know, Lamar Jackson fumble the game away against, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders this week. For me, I am, I am going to take the chiefs to win this game outright and cover the three and a half points. I think that, you know, it'll be a touchdown game down there uh, in Baltimore, Baltimore will be looking at an 0-2 season going into this. if they If they do end up losing here, so it's obviously a big game for them but i Mm -hmm. i still i still like kansas city to win here in this game here my little guy parker decided to pick the baltimore ravens for some reason he's picked the ravens two weeks in a row i may have to uh do a little bit more educating with him to (laughs) to get him off this ravens train because we all know as patriots fans we don't like the ravens so I i gotta i gotta do a little bit of correcting there what are you teaching this kid, bro? Come on.
1: Nah, no, he just knows that the Kansas City Chiefs suck at covering the spread. You're teaching the kid right. He's <laughs> listening
2: to Degenerate Puma, all right? Hey, I hope, I, hope he, I hope he's better than me. I hope he's better than me. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Speaking of degenerates, let's launch our new segment, Best Best with the Puma, where he will try to help you win some money. So, Puma, who do you like this week?
1: All right, so who do I like this week? So this section of the podcast is brought to you by the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook, which, by the way, they finally caught up with the times. They now offer same-game parlays. You can... For example, the Washington football team versus New York Giants, you can bet the spread or you can bet the over in this game, same game parlay, you can take Washington win outright, maybe the over, you can do all those things with player props. It's about time they caught up with the times because I was like, yo, I might be going to FanDuel if they, if they do the same if they don't do the same game parlay, I might jump ship, DraftKings, heard the critics, they wanted the same game parlay and they finally caught up to it.
0: But Yo, that is music to my ear because I'm all about that parlay. Parlay's for life, baby. P4L. Parlay's for life.
1: Parlay's for life, baby. So, some of my best bets. Degenerate Puma here. I'm taking, like I said, at the top of the pod. I'm taking Washington, laying the three. This is a get-right game. I think they're going to cover those three points easily. Uh, The Houston Texans, depending on what book you're looking at, it's been fluctuating around Houston Texans. Uh, 12 to 12 and a half point underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. I like Houston covering the 12 to 12 and a half. It's a KG veteran team. I know that they played Jacksonville last week, but they're, they're going against a light years, better football team, but we can all agree looking at the roster here. These are KG veterans for the Houston, Texans. I think they're going to cover the 12 and a half easily. Joe Burrow, AKA Joey covers uh, they're going uh, to be their two-and-a-half to three-point dogs against the Chicago Bears on the road. I think they're going to be in Soldier Field. Uh, Joe Burrow is 7-1-1 one, and one against the spread when he throws for more uh, than 30 attempts or so. I think uh, Cincinnati covers this, and honestly, looking at the Bears, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati... Wins outright and goes two and zero in the AFC North. Here, hot take right there. Uh, the Denver Broncos—they uh, are six-point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going with Denver to cover the six-point spread. Wow. Ted, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, also known as Teddy, covers his career in the NFL: thirty-six and fourteen against the spread, twenty-two and three on the road. So, give me Denver covering the six points. Also, the over under in the Minnesota Arizona game, I like it. Uh, I I like the over in this game. It's 51 points right now. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it went a tick higher, but last I saw it was at 51. I like the over in this game. Both, you know, the defensive line for the Cardinals are great, the secondary, eh. And uh, I I like uh, just, you know, Justin Jefferson to maybe find the end zone a couple of times. Uh, So give me the over in this game. I think it's going to be a shootout. So those are my best bets. Washington, minus three. Houston covering the 12.5 points that they're getting from the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati covering the 2.5 to 3 points that they're getting from the Chicago Bears. Denver covering the six points that they're uh, laying against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the over-under in the Minnesota-Arizona game. And my leg of the the take-it-to-the-bank parlay is... Is Houston plus twelve or 12 and a half, depending on what book you get? What are you guys thinking for your take it to the wow, bank? Wow, those,
0: those are some amazing takes, man! Like my God, hey, you yourself are lifting half of America out of poverty with these takes. <laughs> all right, people are going to listen to People are going to listen to this segment. They're going to take all the money they have, put on these bets, and they're going to become rich. And you, sir, are doing a better job than Biden himself, all right? So congratulations. Wow.
1: <laughs> There's a stimulus check brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook.
0: Uh, for me, for my tickets to the bank, man, listen, I, I am high on the Patriots this week. Um, like I said, we've talked about this already, so I'm not going to rehash all of it. But the Patriots are going to get right. They're going to come out in East Rutherford and just absolutely steamroll the Jets. Um, I like what I saw out of Mac Jones. The spread is 5.5 at the moment. Um, and the Patriots being the favorite, I would smash uh, Patriots 5.5, 5, man, they're going to win by double digits. So Patriots, let's go.
2: Yeah. So, so my leg of the, uh, take it to the bank parlay here is going to be the Cowboys plus three. I really like what I saw out of the Cowboys offense against a, you know, what was built to be a very strong Tampa Bay, uh, Buccaneers defense last week. So I think they're going to come out and I think they're going to be, they're going to put up a bunch of points here. And I, you know, I just like the, uh, Cowboys to, uh, Hit that uh, plus three fresh threshold, win the game outright, and uh, win by more than three.
0: Okay, okay. And uh, I know Puma got some love here, but we did not forget about you, Burge, because we're talking about some fantasy pullers with the Burge himself. So here, you... let's start off with this question: Raheem Mostert. I started him last week, and he got hurt. So who should I be targeting him? Uh, targeting in his replacement. Elijah Mitchell dude came in had a great day um,
2: off the bench there as the number two starting the game beat out Trey Sermon, the highly touted uh, fantasy rookie there in San Francisco came out rushed for over 100 yards you should be uh, smashing the waiver wire for for Elijah Mitchell in this uh, in this situation here you know he came in you know obviously the 49ers are a run heavy team so I would be uh, going to every waiver wire in every one of your leagues and adding him. Uh, just a couple more of my uh, you know, top ads for, from the waiver wire after week one. Tim Patrick with the, uh, with the Denver Broncos would be a great pickup considering the injury that uh, Jerry Judy suffered early in the game on, uh, on Sunday. Seems like he's going to miss four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. So I would go for him. Uh, if KJ Hamler is available um, on your waiver wire, go after him as well. Um, other player, Just a couple other players uh, that I would be looking for on the waiver wire uh, in, your, in, your, uh, in your leagues would be, uh, you know, look at the Arizona Cardinals offense. Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. If either of them are available in your leagues, pick them up. They both um, were very involved with Arizona's offense and their, their route of uh, Tennessee uh, on Sunday, so I would be uh, definitely targeting both of them. Um, and then you know a guy that I've been big on you know all off season, uh, Brian Edwards with the v- Las talk Vegas. Talk about Raiders. it. I know he was not targeted early in this game, or actually pretty much the entire game. The entire you know, game. About re- <laughs> talk about regulation uh, with with uh, with the Raiders there, but he kept he came in and with a minute left to the end of overtime, four receptions for eighty one yards. You know it came very close to winning that game uh, within a yard. Or actually, I'd call it inches. Uh, of winning that game for the Raiders, he's a guy that you know I'm high on to be in, the, to come out and have a really good fantasy year, catch some balls. I think they're going to involve him more after this game. So those are just some guys you know off the, uh, off the waiver wire if they're available, go pick them up.
1: Mm. All right, now now Burge, before we move off the segment here, if somebody like myself has uh, Jacoby Myers. And let's say KJ Hamler is on the waiver wire. Are you going to look at me or managers that have Jacoby Myers funny if we decide to drop Myers to take a flyer on KJ Hamler?
2: No, I'm not going to look at you funny at all. Um, you know, KJ Hamler that he has, you know, was based out of that last year's draft, he was one of the receivers, you know, who was talked about a lot. Obviously he fell in the draft last year because of uh, you know, how much talent was available at the wide receiver position in last year's draft. Denver has, you know, De- Denver loves him there, uh, you know, at that wide re- wide receiver position, you know, especially with Jerry Judy going out, you know, you have Cortland Sutton there coming off the injury from last year, and then you have a bunch of guys fighting for that position. I would not look at you funny at all. You know, PPR, I may, I may think that, you know, I may think about it a little more just because of what Jacoby Myers is. He's not going to score a lot of touchdowns for the patriots but he's going to fill that role where he's going to be kind of a uh, a safety blanket so to speak where he's going to get a lot of receptions um but no I, with kj hamler especially with the opportunity that presents itself now in in denver uh, i think that would would be a wise move
0: all right all right i got another question for you uh mr fantasy expert uh, I have uh, Damian Harris. I yeah, started him last week. I'm going to start him next week as well. Any concern there that after the fumble that uh, Bill Belfort might punish him for his for Bill Belfort's mistake? Should I keep him in the lineup or would there be some sort Here of like go. repercussion there?
2: No, you keep him in the lineup there. You no, know, with uh, you know he's he's the guy in Bella Goat's offense and. You know he's going to be the guy to carry the ball. They they're still going to be a run heavy team, and in is definitely going to continue to go to him. He's the veteran back in that in that in that uh, in that offense that is the ball carrier. We all, we all know James White is the true veteran there, but he's not a traditional uh, run between the tackles guy. So I you know I don't think you have anything to worry about. You know Belligoat going away from him at at all um, in 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 you know. Between the tackles, you know, first second down, he's the guy there. They they made that commitment when they traded Sony Michelle. So, you know, I i would definitely continue to ride him, you know, at least at this point. I think uh I think goat is gonna continue
0: to to pound the rock with Damian Harris. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to run that by you, uh, just so that, you know, there's nothing crazy on Sunday. You never know. Belcher will come out and be like, You you ain't playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey.
2: Hey, you know what? You used his real name, so I consider that that segment a win there. Oh, damn.
0: That was a slip-up on my part. Damn
2: it. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid J.
0: Chima. It's Bella Fraud. (laughs) Bella Goat. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, wow. That's all I got for fantasy.
0: (laughs) All right, well, we're uh, 88 minutes in. I think it's probably a good time to plug it up and call it a day.
1: (laughs) All right, plugging it up. So this episode of the Pro Football Radio Podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, stitcher google podcast whatever the hell it is now youtube jay the maestro the captain of the ship that drives this boat he's also uh you know splicing up some of the the portions of the pod so you'll find maybe our autopsy of the new england patriots in a separate section you'll get the chargers cowboys game in a separate section you'll get bullets with burge degenerate brando puma bets you'll get all that on your youtube feed like subscribe uh, be sure to download the podcast, and if I didn't say this already, you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well too. Be sure to leave us a five star review; it helps us with the algorithm, with the people out in Palo Alto fil- filtering things, helps us with exposure. Five star review would be greatly appreciated. Uh, social media platforms: SoundCloud, Spotify, Google. Uh, Jesus Christ! Social media wise, I need to go to sleep. Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. uh, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Uh, Eric Burgess, our senior contributor, senior analyst, is on the Twitter machine at Burge, the goalie. Uh, Definitely be sure to check him out on Sundays after a Patriots game or a Patriots loss and he's going off the deep end. Definitely a fun time. Get your popcorn (laughs) ready, ladies and gentlemen uh and we kind of have some breaking news a little bit not in the nfl sense of things but we Burge, you want to talk about the little blog spot
2: that we're going to be starting developing a little bit yeah so we're starting to work out a little website here um you know just starting to th- it's in the early stages at this point and um you know over the next month or so hopefully we're going to start seeing some uh some write-ups about the games you know you you will expand a little bit on what we talk about on the podcast here. Um, you know, obviously we'll have our you know our takes on recording here with the podcast, but you know we'll we'll break down a little bit more in depth. Uh, so we're not talking your ear off for an hour and a half every week. Um, so you know it's a work in progress. Uh, hopefully we'll be up and running soon.
1: Bye. Okay. Huge, huge leap forward, considering that we started this podcast from a dining room table to now we have this. We got we got our boy Burge, the senior contributor, our, our our favorite guy that we rag on about Belichick, but couldn't be happier to have him on board the pod. And now we're gonna be having this blog spot going here. It's. We're, we're making strides for for three guys that just love to talk uh, bullshit and talk football. We are making huge gains in the grand scheme of things. So, so I so, am stoked,
0: George. I gotta ask before we go, and you kind of like walk down the street and then walk the back. Let's say it's a ten point win by the Jets. Will you say Belafraud on Monday or Tuesday? No. Twenty points. Nope. Thirty points. No, so boy. We went listen, from listen, if listen. they
1: lose to the Jets, it's Bella too. No, no, To no, no, I Jets. never said that. It's so <laughs>
2: <Bella>. <laughs> Listen, listen. I have been consistent with this from day one. Fair enough. Twenty twenty two is the year for the for Belichick to make or break his job. Twenty twenty two is a year. I will be on board with criticizing everything with the Patriots organization from that point if they get blown out by the jets on sunday i will be right there but i'm not going to write the obituary
1: <laughs> Don't that is a man right Don't that even is a started. man
2: with conviction uh, <laughs> i've been consistent I just, from day 1 consistent I just, from day 1
0: i just hope to find somebody that loves me like you love daughter that that would be what everybody hey. dreams about, right? <laughs> hey, I
2: wish my fiance loved me like you love Tom Brady. So
1: right <laughs> wow! And on and on that note, all right,
0: Freddy Solionis,
2: you're
0: fired. As always, it's so much fun, fellas. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Viacondios.